Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. Thanks for listening. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew. Matthew is where we are going to be, Matthew chapter 28, so you can get all the way to the end of Matthew, and that's where we're going to spend some time. As you're turning there, let me ask you this. I want you to think about, just for this morning, just for a few minutes, before and after. Before and after. There was my life before I met Jackie, and then there's after, right? There's my life and our lives before we had children, and then there is after, There's our lives before we learned to drive, right? Or that we were illegally allowed to drive. And then there is after. And it's so much better after, right? There's my life before tasting Torchy's tacos. And there is my life after. All these are great. Pinnacle moments in my life. And then there is after. The reason I bring that up today is if you are already in your Bible to Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. The last chapter of the first gospel of Jesus Christ in the New Testament begins with that word after and my hope and my prayer this morning is that whatever you came in here this morning bringing with you whatever heartache whatever pain whatever challenges you might have whatever frustrations that you are feeling that today easter sunday 2022 easter at the expo would be the demarcation that later on as you tell your story the the time easter and then there would be the time after So let's pray together, and then we will look at this text. I'll read just a few verses to you, and then we'll kind of break it apart. Father God, thank you. Thank you for those who are joining with us in person today. God, thank you for those who have volunteered this morning, those who have served coffee, greeted, gave up their seats, those who are working with our children even now. God, we thank you for them. We also thank you for those who are joining with us online, in their homes and far away as they are traveling, as they are gathering with us in spirit, may you bless them and encourage them. God, I pray for each that's here today. If they do not yet know you, that they would leave here today having a different experience, that they would experience you. And today would be the day that they say there was a time before Easter, and then there was after. It's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Matthew 28. After the Sabbath... As the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his robe was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken from fear of him that they became like dead men. But the angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been resurrected. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead. He is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So this story, like I said, starts with the words after. After the Sabbath, as the first week was dawning. There's a lot in that phrase, right? There's a lot of things that are going on in that phrase. And to some degree, it's just a timeline. It's just giving you sort of the, the history of what's going on. The Sabbath, 
on the first day of the week. Do I need to switch to the yellow mic? Sounds like I do. Hold on just a second. Can you all hear me? All right, hopefully this will go better. So after, there is a significant after, right? In the Bible, when he's talking about after the Sabbath, what he's specifically referring to is after this religious holiday, this time of rest. So it's a lot like our Saturdays, they were to take a time of rest. And so after that, it's not just after the religious holiday, it's also after a lot of other stuff. Right? Just a few days before Jesus is crucified, his friends, his family, they all witness that. It has to be scary. It has to be intimidating. If you read the previous chapter, if you read the previous chapter, then you know there was a lot going on in those few days. When everybody was supposed to be resting, there was a lot going on. The civic leaders and the religious leaders were so afraid of what Jesus had taught that they sent guards out to guard the cave that they put Jesus' body in. They put a, a boulder in front of the cave and they, and they guarded it to make sure that nobody could steal the body, that Jesus couldn't come out of there. There was a lot of grief. There's a lot of turmoil. There's not any mention of this in the Bible, but you have to know that for the friends, for Mary, Jesus' mother, watching Jesus be crucified had to be the most traumatic, chaotic experience in their life. And so when 28 begins, it says, after that... There's a lot of after. And I don't know how your week went. Some of you had a great week, right? But some of you, like me, had a horrible week. Everything went wrong. There was squabbles with my kids. There were squabbles with my wife. There was all sorts of technology. You know, I was trying to do something on the computer, and it wasn't working for me. There's frustrations at the office. There was just general frustrations. I tried to do something uh, to one of our cars. That didn't work. You know, I broke it more. So now i got to go pay somebody that knows what they're doing. That's just sort of the week we've had. That's the, that's pales in comparison to what this after means, right? As it starts with after, the after for them was much larger, much deeper, much more painful. But it doesn't just stop there, right? It says after the Sabbath, on the first day of the week, as the first day of the week was dawning. This is the very beginning of a brand new week. This is the very beginning of a new day and a new week. With that comes all sorts of promises. With that comes all sorts of potential and hope, right? Have you ever wondered why it is that Christians celebrate uh, and worship on Sunday? Why not Friday? Why not Tuesday? Well, the reason that we celebrate on Sunday is because of this verse, this verse right here. This is the reason Christians throughout all of history, all the way around the globe, have celebrated on Sunday because this day was the dawning of a brand new day. Raise your hand if you remember the first day of school. Remember the very first time that you went to school. Does anybody remember that? A few of us. I remember it. It's a little Christian school. I had my white shirt on, my little blue uh, uh, slacks, you know, a little tie. I went to a little private school when I was a kid, and that's why I never dress up anymore because I had to dress up at school when I was a kid. And so I had that little shirt, and I remember walking in with my backpack that was twice the size of me, you know. I had my lunch in there and all that. I go walking in there, Miss Weist and Miss Buckaloo were there to, to greet me. And I was so excited, so much potential, so much good was happening. I turned around and my mom, she was in the station wagon, she dropped me off and she's crying like somebody died. I, was turned, I didn't know what was going on. Why is she crying? What's going on? So for a minute there, I thought to myself, what's about to happen? You know, what's going on? This might not be as good as I thought it was going to be, you know. For the very first day. The dawning of a brand new day brings with it all sorts of potential, all sorts of great things, all sorts of amazing things. 
And for us, we're sort of in the middle of that today on April 17th. You may not feel like it. It may elude you a little bit, but no matter what you brought in here, all that pain, grief, frustration, right now is the dawning of a brand new day for a brand new week. And so we can put ourselves in this story. We can feel this story. We can experience what they're talking about here. And in a lot of ways, it's similar to our own timeline, but in a lot of ways, it's completely different. In two through three, like I read to you, it says that the angel came down, the angel delivered this message, or went towards the tomb, rolled the tomb away, rolled the stone away. Jesus resurrects, the guards pass out. There's a lot going on in this story. Things that would scare us, right? They would make us nervous, loud noises, lightning, all of that sort of stuff. This is quite a morning. Nobody had a morning like this morning right here. So after that, on the precipice of potential, there's this theme arises. You can see it in verse four. You can really see it clearly in verse four. It says that the guards were so terrified that they fainted. The theme is fear. You read Matthew 28, and that's not really what you, you pick up first of all from the text. But one of the big themes in that story is fear. In fact, in those first 10 verses there, it says fear four times. All sorts of things to be afraid of. If you remember back the Jesus story, the guards, the, the temple police, the temple guards, they came to arrest Jesus in the night. You know why they arrested him in the night? Because they were afraid of the, of the people of the town. All the people that were waving palm branches, all those people that were celebrating, they were afraid of them. So they arrested them in the night. That night, Jesus is arrested and his friends run away. They run away, they are afraid. His closest friend, Peter, acts like he doesn't even know Jesus because he was afraid. They were all afraid of what would happen next. If they took Jesus, then surely they're going to take them next. The religious leaders that instigated Jesus' death are afraid of what Jesus taught. And like I said, they put a, they put a stone in front of the grave there. The civil leaders are always and constantly afraid of an uprising, and so they are um, enabling the religious leaders. Everybody is acting in fear here. The women are afraid of how they're going to move the, the, the stones so they can see Jesus. They're afraid of the angels. The guards were so afraid that they fainted. Later on, the soldiers, they go back, and they tell the religious leaders, they're like, um, you know, this is what happened. There was an angel and all that sort of stuff, but the religious leaders are afraid that Jesus would be right, so they bribe the guards. Everyone is acting out of fear. And there's a lot of reasons for them to be afraid. And all of those fears lead to them being irrational, selfish, and even rejecting what is right in front of them for their preferred reality. I was telling Jackie this week, um, I, had a, I had a late night snack. Anybody, anybody uh, tempted by Bluebell after the kids go to bed like I am? I heard somebody say, if it cannot be resealed, then it's one single serving, all right? That's, that's how it goes. So those little pints of Bluebell, that looks like one serving to me, right? It says three, but they're lying. I can eat that in one time. I was eating it, and uh, we were, we were um, getting, you know, watching TV and all this kind of stuff, and I told her, I said, you know what? When I was real little, I remember my teacher telling me that within 20 minutes after eating your saliva, and the sugar in your food will cause a cavity within 20 minutes. And to this day, I'm almost 40, I am terrified of not brushing my teeth within 20 minutes of eating. feel like if I don't make it in 20 minutes, all of the teeth are going to just fall straight out of my face, you know? Because my teacher said within 20 minutes, 
There's going to be cavities. This fear, it makes me act irrational, all right? It makes me brush my teeth way more times than I should, that sort of thing. It makes me act irrational. And maybe you can relate to some of the fears that are in this story. Maybe you wouldn't admit it. Maybe you wouldn't say it out loud. But some of you have this dull fear of what's going on with Russia and the Ukraine. Other countries getting involved, how that's going to affect your finances, how that's going to affect our global peace, that sort of stuff. We have this fear that resides within us. You might be afraid of something happening to your loved ones. Somebody in here, you may have a child or a, or a parent, a grandparent. The doctor has said that the cancer has returned, right? And that makes you afraid of what's going to happen. The doctor sat down and tried to explain things to you, but you can't even say the words that she said, right? And that makes you afraid. You Googled it, right? And now you're really afraid. All sorts of things are gripping your heart. You're afraid of finances and civic unrest. You're afraid of something happening to your loved ones. You might even be afraid of getting in trouble. You did something at the office, and now you're afraid of getting caught. Or maybe you didn't do anything, but somebody's spreading some gossip, some rumors, and you're, you've got this fear within you. You know what else is scary to me as I thought about this idea of fear? You know what else really scares me? What scares me is how used to being afraid we are, how accustomed we are to turning on the television and watching the news and hearing all sorts of scary things, right? We are about out of fear. It's just this constant numb feeling to where something happens and we don't even get shocked anymore. The world is a scary place that we live in. We're either completely numb to it or we are constantly anxious over it, completely out of control. Our fears are so deeply rooted in our emotions that we don't know what to do. We can relate to this story. Right after all of the bad things, before the good things, there is this fear that grips us. That's what's going on in the story, but the angel appears, right? Y'all know what angel means? Angel means messenger. It doesn't mean chubby little baby. It doesn't mean um, the most beautiful girl you've ever seen. Angel means messenger, and they show up with a message from God. And that message is the same all the way throughout the Bible. It says, don't be afraid. The angel tells the women, don't be afraid. The one you came to look for, the one you saw dead, the one that was locked in here, he, he left. Which, to be real honest with you, would make me more afraid, all right? If I showed up to a grave of a loved one, and they're like, yeah, he's walking around, you know? That would make me more afraid. But it's not those words. It's not those words that are supposed to ease their fear. It's the next words there in verse six. It says that Jesus has resurrected just as he said he would. Verse six says that he kept his word, that he kept his promises. So even though there's fear all throughout this, even though there's a new day, even though they are gripped by all of this fear and they are acting in fear, the reality is that Jesus kept their promises, kept his promises. A promise kept is huge. Jesus said he would resurrect, and so he resurrected. A promise kept means two things. The first one it means is that you are valued. You are valued. Remember growing up when dad said he would make it to your game? You know, and you know that he, he works, he's got a lot on his plate, that sort of stuff. And maybe the game starts and he's not there yet, but by the time you get up to bat or by the time you're put on the field or on the court or something like that, you look over and dad's standing there. Maybe not even all the way with your mom yet. He's, he's standing off to the side. He just made it. Or that friend that went on vacation and she promised she's going she's to get you something, right? And she brings back something made out of olive wood from Jerusalem or something like that, you know, something small. You know, the game is not important. 
the gift is not important. But in both of those circumstances, you feel valued because they kept their promise. You know that dad doesn't care about that game that much. What dad cares about is you. And he kept his promise. She came back from vacation. She kept her promise. When you keep a promise, that means you are valuing the other person. Jesus kept his promises. He says, you are valuable to me. Not only does it mean that you are valuable, it also means that you are safe. You are in a safe space, like a wedding ring. We give a wedding ring to our wife or to our husband, and we say that for the rest of our lives, till one of us goes, you are safe. You're in a safe space with me, that I will love you come sickness or health, good days or bad days, you are safe. And Jesus kept his promise. And for that reason, there is no danger for those he loves. There is no danger for those he values. This is the reason that the angel can say to the women, do not be afraid. He kept his promise. Don't be afraid of death. Don't be afraid of whatever. Don't be afraid of the noise or the lights. Jesus kept his word. The particular promise that Jesus kept was that he would beat death, that the grave could not hold him and it did not hold him. Jesus beat death. And for those who trust in Jesus, then that is the answer. That is the reality. No matter what sort of fear you brought in here. And listen to me, I understand that some of you are so good at hiding that fear. You walk around like you're not intimidated by anything. You've got it all figured out. But deep down, you know you know you're afraid of looking foolish. You know you're afraid of things getting out of your control, of things not working out the way that you planned them to work out. Jesus steps into that, and he changes the reality. This is really the story of Easter. This is why we do all of this, and this is why we are here today. Jesus kept his promise. He beat death, and if you will trust him with your life, he promises to give you real life but you have to trust him. There in verse eight and nine, this is a really interesting part of the story. After the angel tells them to go, this is what it says. So departing quickly, the women, they took off running, right? Departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. Afraid and with great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news and just then Jesus met them. I sort of picture it this way. Jesus is standing behind these two women and they're a little bit intimidated. They're a little bit afraid. They're listening to the angel and he's sort of grinning. He knows how this is about to go. They turn around real fast and about run into him. And then Jesus says to them, good morning. Not the most Jesus thing to ever say, you know? I just beat death, had a long three days. Good morning. He says, what's up? And they came and it says, they took hold of his feet and worshiped him. They took hold of his feet and they worshiped him. It's just an odd little detail in the story. Why would they grab his feet? Why wouldn't they hug his neck? Why wouldn't they grab his arms or his hands? Why did they touch him at all, you know? They grabbed his feet. Here's the reason I think that they grabbed his feet because listen, Jesus was stepping toward them. In their fear, their great joy as they run away, terrified, Jesus steps forward to them. So here's the point. Jesus steps towards our fear and sends us out with joy. 
Jesus steps towards our fear and sends us out with joy. And so here's what we do with this story. Here's the application. Here's the way that we can apply this to our lives. If you are a Jesus follower, let me say this to you. Fear does not end when we trust Jesus. Fear does not end when we follow Jesus. It's just that we can face fear like they did with great joy. With great joy. Jesus beat death. What else would you be afraid of? All of the things that you are afraid of, Jesus has taken on the greatest one. And then the other application is this. If you haven't trusted Jesus yet, you need to do that now. You need to trust Jesus. You need to go ahead. You can take that connection card and then see where you are. You fill that out. You mark that thing that says you want to trust Jesus or better yet, better yet. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to sing a song here in just a minute. And I want you to take that connection card and you just move towards the response table over there. There's a bunch of people that are going to be there that are friendly. They're just like you. And they're going to help you. They're going to walk with you. They're going to pray with you and talk with you and encourage you to take those steps. They'll answer whatever the questions you have are. So hear me on this. If you haven't trusted Jesus as your Savior yet, let let me ask you this. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? You afraid that somebody's going to judge you? Nobody's here is going to judge you. We all did that. We all trusted Jesus. You're afraid you're going to look foolish? There is no smarter decision you can make than to trust the only one that beat death. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.